to another Philanthropy Plugged In podcast, a series exploring the intersection of technology, gender, and giving. My name is Jeannie Sager, and I'm the director of the Women's Philanthropy Institute and your host for this podcast series. Thank you for joining us. This episode is about how we think about community in the digital age. For many of us, community is place-based, in-person, and local. For example, a community foundation or a community center. The traditional notion of fundraising, especially around larger gifts, has relied on in-person engagement and building a donor community. What happens to that community when giving occurs online? Our guest today, Wally Mafalasire, will share his journey at the intersection of technology and giving with the creation of a mobile app, Givelify. Givelify is a mobile app and donation management tool primarily used for giving to religious congregations. Wally, thank you for being part of Philanthropy Plugged In. Givelify is also a data partner for WPI's Women Give 2020 report. So let's dive right in. Why don't you take a few minutes to introduce yourself to our listeners and um, share a little bit about what prompted your desire to create Givelify? Thank you very much, Jenny. Uh, it's always a pleasure when I get the opportunity to hang out with uh, the great folks at the Women's Philanthropy Institute at, uh, at the world's best school for philanthropy, <laughs> IU School of Philanthropy. Uh, we brag a lot about you guys and the many studies that you've done to help those of us who are out there trying to solve problems of how do we grow philanthropy in the world. And while we think that we know how to build these technology tools, often we find ourselves relying on the extensive research and work that you do in the space to help inform what is the best way to motivate people to continue to put more good into the world. So anytime I get one of these opportunities, I feel so lucky. I feel so blessed. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who've made this happen. Uh, one of the things that really excited me uh, as we were invited to do the, to be part of the Women's Give 2020 report, I was, we all know women give more than men. We've always known that. But I was just hoping at some point in time, women would listen to our moms and start stepping up and for once <laughs> close the gap a little bit. Um, they've been trying to teach us to be a lot more generous. <laughs> and, um, apparently we still have a lot more work to do. So I'm going to be counting on the dads also to join our moms and making sure that we're teaching the next generation how to be very generous with their time, with their talent, with their money, especially in times like today where we need philanthropy more than we've ever, we ever have, in the, at least in my own lifetime. And so uh, thank you very much. I started Givelify, you know, sitting in church a few years ago. It was time for offering plate, uh, to put something in the offering plate. And it got to me. I reached for my wallet. I had about $3 in there. Um, and so I put the $3 there and I promised myself next Sunday, I'll make sure that I stop by the ATM and and yeah, I wanted to give away more than $3 and make sure I had enough cash to put in the orphan plate. Um, meanwhile, my pastor was talking about, hey, we have online giving. If you don't, you know, if you want to give electronically, you could go online. And so I'm trying to do the same thing everybody's doing. So I pull out my smartphone, launched my browser and typed in the name of my church. 
my church has one of those names where it's like there's a faith there, there's an apostolic there, and it's like I see different search results, and so it's like okay, which one do I pick? Finally, I recognize the 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 right one to pick from the search results. Um, don't judge me that I don't know my church's URL by heart, uh, <laughs> but finally I get to the right one. <clears throat> And I, I'm looking for the give button. Finally, I get to it. Uh, now it's time to give. I don't remember my password, so I have to go through the password reset thing. And it's like, you know what? When I get home in front of a proper computer, I'll actually set this up. And the following Sunday, I found myself sitting in church. I hadn't set it up. I did not stop by the ATM. Um, and this is going on for like Sundays back to back to back. And eventually it's like I sneak into church. I'm avoiding eye contact with my pastor because I'm afraid he knows me as the guy who comes and enjoys the sermon and who never puts anything into the offering plate. Um, I found myself a couple weeks later attending a fundraising function downtown Indianapolis at a convention center for a very well-known nonprofit organization in the city. Uh, again, don't judge me. I knew it was a fundraising function. Why I showed up with my, without my checkbook is, uh, is left to anybody else's guess. But somewhere in the middle of the fundraiser, I find myself really connecting with the mission of the organization. And I wanted to support them. Mm -hmm. uh, so luckily, they had what we call pledge cards at the dinner table. Uh, mm -hmm. If you guys know what those things are, where you write your name, the amount you, you're looking to give, and your contact information. In my situation, I filled out two pledge cards, turned one in, and kept one uh, for myself with the hopes that if the organization did not follow up with me, at least I had my own reminder to follow up with them. Uh, a few weeks later, I'm clearing my desk at my office, and guess what I wrote to? It's the pledge card. Pretty sure I haven't heard from the organization, and I haven't followed up with them either. And at that moment, something, I was inspired. Like I recognized there were these moments where I'm inspired to want to make a difference and put a little bit of good into the world. And for folks like me, which I think a lot of the women in my lives probably would follow through regardless because they say that's what they want to do. But for men like me, if I don't do it in the moment, chances are I would never get it done. And so I thought, you know, there's got to be an app. I mean, there's an app for everything. There's got to be an app that lets you act in the moment. You feel it. You want to act on it. You don't want to do it later. And you want it to be very easy the same way you would, order, you would use Uber to order a ride. I went mm -hmm. to the app store, didn't find anything. I thought I'd build one just to solve this problem for myself. So at least I could look my pastor in the eye next time. Uh, I'm sitting in church on <laughs> Sunday. And I don't have to keep going to these fundraising events. And... Um, and be the guy who shows up, enjoys your dinner, and his name is not showing up on your, on your list of donors. Uh, little did we know we're solving this problem and uh, for a whole, folks, a whole bunch of people like me. And uh, 40,000 organizations led, later, wow. we've helped them raise over a billion dollars in contributions in the five and a half years that we've been in existence. So uh, the whole concept is it's an app. You go into the app, you aspire to give. Uh, we deliberately engineered the app so that you can complete a donation in the same number of steps it takes you to reach for your wallet, pull out a dollar bill, and hand it to the person that you're giving it to. So we call it a beautiful three-tap experience. In three taps, literally, you can complete a gift on Give. I love life. that. That's great. That's Thank great. You. And I think that um, there are many, myself included, um, listeners who 
absolutely can relate to your story and have been in that same same situation. Well, that's good to hear because I've, I've always <laughs> felt like I was the bad one. <laughs> no, very, very relatable. There's always that moment, especially when you have kids with you um, um, at church and they're they're waiting for you to put something in the in the giving plate and and you're borrowing money from them. But that's a different story. Um, no, I so, want to hear this story. <laughs> no, I love that story. I love that you, um, the innovation um, and your your desire to solve a problem, um, and you've created a way of of giving three taps. That, that's just a beautiful way to even remember um, um, to to pull it up on the phone and make your gift. Um, but Wally, prior to the launch of Givelify um, in December 2013. Um, you talked a little bit about that. What was the online giving landscape for religious congregations um, um, beyond just your own church? You know that they, you just shared that that they had an, a way of doing that, but it was kind of difficult to find. As you were researching and pulling together the app, did you see other platforms or apps that were similar um, that were available for this purpose? Um, uh, giving and technology, what was existing, if anything, around religious congregations? What, what was out there? Yeah, definitely. So I think at the time that we started ideating on the Givelify app concept, uh, there, there wasn't anything out there at that point in time. Um, everything else that we saw was you'd actually go physically to a website and you go through the process of, like we will, right, creating a username and a password to be able to give on that website. Uh, for us, one of the things that, again, when I talk about, there are just these moments where you're inspired. And for a lot of people like me, it's like, if you don't act in that moment, any barrier that presents itself, make it easy for people like me to say, I'll do it later, mm -hmm. which eventually turns to, it never gets done. Yeah. And so for me, I'll find situation where, uh, yes, I want to give to my church. And every now and then my alumni association will call me as well for a gift. And uh, I was at that fundraiser and there are different organizations that I like to support. And for each one of them, I had to go create a new username and password for, it just became more less likely that for people like me and there are mm -hmm. people who, who put their minds to it and get it done. But for people like me, if I have to create another username and password, it makes it so easy for me to say, I'll do it later. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just wanted to eliminate anything that gets between getting it done now and I'll mm -hmm. do it later. And so a lot of the th things that we saw there was like, we felt like the technology was more based towards um, how do we help the organizations manage their records, which is a great thing. Mm. Um, but we took a perspective of, ask the person who wants to support this organization, can we figure out the record management later, independent of the donor and just say, ask the donor, as somebody, which I hate that word donor, and if I could just introduce you to a word I'm going to call good people, right? I think it's the best thing we've come across to, to use to describe people who want to put good into the world. So we call them good people. So when I say good people, that means I'm referring to donors. Uh, so as a good person, um, my own perspective is I'm connected to your mission and they just want to support you. And at some point in time, when I want to file my taxes, make sure that I have everything so that I can get some credit for being a good person, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so that was the perspective we brought to the table. Uh, in the past couple of years, we've seen a few of those apps come into the marketplace as well. Um, and so Givelify is not the only one. Mm -hmm. um, but dare I say, we're the most widely used, uh, we're the most downloaded, or we have the best ratings. 
And I recognize that as the CEO of the company, it is my God-given responsibility <laughs> to say these things. And it would be a sin if I did not say that. Um, but, you know, what makes it amazing is I don't have to cook up the story, right? The yeah. app store reviews speak for themselves. You go to the app store and you can just see what people are saying about the, our approach which is what we call a good people centric. We think about the, the, the experience for that good person first uh, is something that has been very well received. And we believe it's the reason why organizations have seen a dramatic increase in the people who participate in, in supporting their mission. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things that my pastor says is, well, you know, I, I really didn't understand the problem you're trying to solve because as far as I was concerned, we had online giving. Um, and so I, I brought Givelify to the church as a favor to you, but I became an evangelist of Givelify after I saw what it did for our congregation. A lot of the young people who would not give, mm. and we had almost given hope on, like they would never, including Wally himself, which he's not a very young person, but <laughs> young at heart. Um, a lot of them, all of a sudden, they sprung to life with their giving. And once they started giving, we started seeing them demonstrate a different kind of connection to our community, right? Yeah. Um, and so for him, that's how he became that a big proponent of Givelify instead of telling his other friends about it. And so we've seen that happen in the faith-based world and some of the nonprofits that we serve as well. Yeah. Let's explore that just a little bit further. Um, so you mentioned community, community in the context of making contributions via a mobile app. And after all, the offering plate, as we talked about, is a very visible indication of generosity. So share a little bit more about how you have helped um, organizations um, through Givelify um, think about community in this, in this space of giving. Yes, uh, uh, very, you know, uh, for those of us who, who grew up in, in, in the faith-based world, uh, we know every faith at some point in time, generosity is part of what we're taught, right? I, I, I say this, I can't think of any single faith, no matter how divergent we are in our doctrines, uh, but we'll all converge at one thing, help the poor, feed, you know, feed, feed the hungry. Uh, give to those who could use some help. And it's, it's in very little ways, like helping somebody, you know, who might need some help opening the elevator door, helping them out with that, right? If they have, yeah. So I, I think it's something that's very innate to faith communities. Uh, generosity is just what we're taught, right? I often cite one of the uh, numbers from, um, from the Lake Institute right, from uh, David King, where he says 73% of the $428 billion that's given in the United States is done by people who identify with some faith or the other. And for me, it's no surprise. Every faith preaches generosity. So faith, people of faith, they just, they have it in their DNA. Um, but when I think about what is, what, how do, how is this ingrained in the DNA of a person of faith? It's a lot of times in the rituals that happen in these mm -hmm. communities for giving, right? And one of those rituals is, I mean, I, Jenny, I, I, I wanted to expand on that story of you're, you're trying to have your kids give. And I remember very much as, as, as a youngster that I'd be sitting in church and my mom would hand me a dollar and says, when the offering plate comes to you, put it in there. Um, and for me, I never understood what she was trying to do. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I grew older, I remember something she would always say. And she said, Wally, if I don't teach you how to give a dollar out of $10, right? Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to give $100,000 out of a million dollars. Wow. And for me, it just always resonated that, that importance of, if you think about it of a community, right, the importance of these rituals are very important. And so for us, I, I, so for me, it's like it's ingrained in me and it really hurt when I couldn't give. And that's why I felt like I needed to solve the problem first for myself, for anybody else. But as we started introducing the concept um, uh, to the organizations, mm-hmm. the question was, how do we replicate this age-old ritual, right? Or that, A, uh, it's celebrated, in these organizations and B helps teach the next generation what it means to be generous. And so there were a couple of things that we did to kind of address that. So we'd provide the organizations for what we call donation slips, where after you make a contribution from the phone, you can write it out physically on a piece of paper, your name, the amount you contributed, and then you can put that into the offering plate. Um, and some of the organizations that we serve now took it to a whole new level, right? They do things like, hey, you know what? Just tap your phone on the offering plate as a sign that you gave it from your phone or hold it up. Um, and we see, you know, moms hand their phone to their kids, right? Just like the way my mom would have me a dollar these days, it's they hand the phone to the kids. And the kids are navigating the app on their own without much instruction or guidance from their mom. So uh, when we think about what all of those things mean, and then in here comes COVID, which we never planned for. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, how do you continue to build on the physical space that that community holds pre-COVID? How do you bring that into a world where we're asked to distance from one another, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's, the, yeah. that's, the, that's the challenge there. And we're seeing some interesting things, which I'm happy to get into at the right time in this conversation. Yes, please. In fact, um, it's a perfect times right now. Why don't you share a little bit about what you're seeing in light of the social distancing and the fact that our faith-based um, churches um, and um, places are closed right now? Yeah. So uh, I once saw something on social media that says, you know, even though we're social distancing, the emo- we need to come together emotionally, right? We should bring back the emotional, close the gap on that one. Um, and I'm going to speak about it through the lens first of what we saw happen in our own office at Givelify, right? Um, we can't, like everybody else, you have to close our offices. Everybody needs to work mm-hmm. from home. And so everything is happening in Zoom conversations like we are today. And one of the things we'll see literally in Zoom conversations is like, I don't know if you can see my hands, like you can literally see parents waving up their pets and their yeah. kids. Like the new doing everything, exactly. Doing everything to keep them apart from bombing the Zoom sessions. <laughs> and I'll be in these meetings, I'll be like, man, this, what else can we do to make sure that we're not shooing our kids off? Like it's no fault of theirs that we brought the office into, the, into their space. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. If anything, we should be thanking them. That, <laughs> that thank you for allowing the work to share right. this space with you because the work belongs in the office, not in our home. And so we made a policy at the office and said, hey, look, if your kids want to bomb or your pets want to bomb, by all means, please welcome them. And if they come into the video, come introduce them to the rest of the company. We want to meet them. 
as much as they're curious as well. Who are these people that daddy and mommy, who, who are yeah. they that they work with? And um, all of a sudden, I find myself knowing all the kids of the people who work at GiveLify now. Yes. Like mm-hmm. I know what they look like. I know their names. I know their pets. I can recognize their voices. And this was something that would have never happened if we're not forced into this. And yeah. so I see this kind of emotional connection that's building in ways that I would have never imagined. So it's called social distancing on one part, but I'm finding myself connecting to the people I work with every day a lot more. And that's one of the things that we're seeing in the faith communities as well. Um, for some of the, as, as a GiveLify person, I say, well, I have one primary faith community that I belong to, but I also belong to any faith community that uses GiveLify products, right? So, <laughs> so I belong to multiple. But one of the things that I've really seen in this time is the way the leaders of these communities have stepped up. Hmm. Um, and far too many times we hear about one or two or three of them who make not the most pleasant things in the, in the press, mm-hmm. but by far most of them have stepped up. And I can't tell you how many phone calls I get from the different communities that I have as part of their deliberate outreach to members of their communities to say, we're checking up on you and want you to let you know it's okay if you need help to reach out to us. Um, Lots of times they just say, hey, look, we, we see what's happening. We see that the food banks are getting depleted. We have some reserves that we have in our own congregation as well. And if you know of anybody that could use this, please let us know, put them in touch with us. And so one of the things I've just seen is Prior to COVID, there's no doubt that there's a lot of, and I know churches don't like to see themselves as philanthropic organizations, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a lot of philanthropy that they were doing uh, prior to COVID. But one of the things that we're seeing in today's world is not just we're doing the philanthropic activities, but we're being intentional about seeking the people who need the help and recognizing that whether they ask or not, we need to be a lot more deliberate and intentional and persistent in seeking them out. And so I think that's caused people to really appreciate that, yes, it's a place of worship, that's where I go to worship, but it's caused a lot of people to really appreciate the sense of community that these places hold in ways that we could have never imagined before. And we're seeing that also translate into how people are supporting them. at a time when you could point to a lot of data and the stories in the news that you can see that giving is dropping, what we're seeing on our platform is actually going up. And a few of the organizations on our platform are saying, hey, look, when I compare where we were today to where we were this time last year, the numbers have actually gone up quite a bit. Wow. And we're also seeing the average size of gift uh, got, shoot up by as much as $10. So for us, I think it's a barometer that, um, Overall, we think American generosity is waxing. It's, it's, it's keeping up with the times. That's, that's wow. the way I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, I've already quoted you a couple of times from a, a conversation we had last week, um, the term faith responders um, in light of all the different um, essential workers and people who are on the front line. And I, I appreciated you reminding our listeners about the faith responders um, and how important that's been during this crisis. So um, thank you for sharing a little bit about what you're seeing on your own front line at GiveLify. Um, so I'm gonna give you one last question. Um, 
to help um, our listeners understand more about your journey and your experience um, with Givelify, especially over the last seven years. Um, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice about creating community in the digital age that you would like faith communities to follow, what might that be? Got to care for the people. So what, what, one of the things, the trends that we're seeing here is, um, and I've been thinking of the right word to use for it, but I'll, I'll call it the consumerization of my faith experience with my community. Mm-hmm. And which means that I have my own primary community that I'm, I'm a part of, but I also have some fantasy communities that I'm curious about what they're doing. And that from the comfort of my couch, my bed, wherever it is, I can enjoy all of these multiple communities. And before it used to be, you know, those who were wealthy enough to afford to put themselves on TV that we get to experience outside of our own primary community. Uh, but what this is, op- what the door this is opening today is that anybody can open their community up for guests. Mm. Um, and the guests are looking for these communities. So I call it the Amazon-like experience where it's like, I could shop for this, I could shop for that, I could shop for that. And I could experience multiple things, right? I could be a Catholic and I want to experience what, uh, you know, a Presbyterian experience might be like, you know, I, I might, or, you know, I, I might primarily go to Joel Osteen's church, but I'm also curious what happens in some Hispanic church somewhere, right? And we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of that today. And so the one, if there's one thing I would challenge faith communities to think about is what does that presence look like online today? Because it's not just about the people who are already members of that community. It's about the curious ones who are checking out different communities. And what's the experience that you're providing to them when they come checking out your community? And more importantly, how are you following up with them and how are you showing you care for them, right? At this time, we need, our faith community is already a beacon of hope, but how do you make sure that we're humanizing what it means to be a beacon of hope and how are we making that individual to each person that watches us on YouTube, on Facebook, or on any other platform where we might be projecting our community today? Thank you, Wally. Um, This has been so wonderful and inspiring uh, to hear how you came to create Givelify, um, how you came to expand giving um, by all, and um, more importantly, how you encourage and create community in so many different spaces and ways. Um, you are truly good people. <laughs> and <Thank you. laughs> we're so pleased to be able to partner with you here at the Women's Philanthropy Institute. And thank you again for being such a wonderful data partner this year for Give 2020. And we look forward to um, many partnerships and collaborations in the future. So thank you, Wally. Thank you, Jenny. And please say hello to everybody at the Institute. I will. Thank you. Giplify has raised more than $1 billion for congregations through its three-step process of tap, give, done. We are eager to see what the next chapter brings. This episode is part of WPI's Philanthropy Plugged In podcast series 
exploring ideas around technology, gender, and giving. Please check out the Philanthropy Plugged In website at wpisymp.iupui.edu for more information about all of our activities and podcasts. For Philanthropy Plugged In, I'm Jeannie Sager. Thank you for listening. Philanthropy Plugged In is a production of the Women's Philanthropy Institute at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy at Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. Music is provided by Localize.